this is Steve with Life Worth Living. You know the Bible gives you the secret to being an explosively fruitful and productive person? You can find the secret to this level of productivity by studying the life of Abraham. The incredible thing is that you can start out with nothing, no faith, no money, no connections, no hope, and God is able to still make you an unbelievably fruitful person. God is the God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. You know that burning desire that you have to achieve greatness in life? That desire to break all the limits people and circumstances try to limit you with? God wants you to go farther than you ever dreamed. There are God-given goals and plans that for you to pursue and achieve. God created you with this driving desire. And God wants you to have a fruitful life. His promises are not only for your eternity, they are for your here and now. So listen in and discover the secret to explosive fruitfulness. I want to tell you a quick experience. It was really kind of neat. Um, and, and I don't know how much of this was my own fear uh, or if it was there was something to it but I remember last night going into a gas station because I couldn't pay at the pump and of course I had my mask on and I was playing it safe we have hand sanitizer in the car that as soon as we get back in the car we wash our hands and scrub them real well and and try not to touch our faces and you know all that stuff that we're all trying to to be careful about and uh, it was funny, not funny, actually, as I went into the gas station, I, I I felt danger. I don't know how else to describe it, but I felt the danger of of being contagious, of, of the contagion of the virus. And I went ahead and paid, and uh, as I was walking out, I just felt the most wonderful, gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit telling me, Steve, this hasn't been the first time that you've been close to this virus, and I have been protecting you all along. <laughs> and so don't be, you know, don't, don't worry about this. And um, I, I believe that promise is for every single person that's listening to me right now, is yet we've come into contact with this virus more often times, more often than we even know about, and God has deadened that virus and made it ineffective so that it can't even affect us. And so I just, I wanted to say that as a testimony and as, a, as an encouragement to each and every one of us that God is protecting us. And that's just one of many harms and evils that are out there. My goodness, we're protected from car accidents and, and from people with evil intent uh, things that we don't even know that, you know, people that are trying to maybe break into our bank account and a, an angel there is, is uh, prohibiting them from uh, hacking into our, you know, who, who knows, our online banking or whatnot. So praise God. He's rescuing us. He's lifting us. He's lifting us up and he's keeping us. And so today's message is entitled, The Spirit-Led People Are Fruitful and Productive just like Abraham was. And so I, I have this basic question, and it's a question I've been asking myself actually for several years. And the question is this, can we be as blessed and as fruitful as Abraham was? Can we be as blessed and as fruitful as Abraham was? And, and I want to 
I want to make sure that we understand when I say fruitful, what I mean. Uh, Because Abraham was fruitful in at least three different ways. He was fruitful spiritually, all right? His relationship with the Lord grew stronger and more evident throughout his lifetime. So that means he was fruitful spiritually. That's the highest and best type of fruitfulness you can have. But it didn't just stop there. Abraham was fruitful as in his family, as a parent. He was fruitful in that he had children. Uh, he was fruitful. And so as, as a parent in his family, he was fruitful. Um, thirdly, he was fruitful um, in terms of material things. And the Bible is very clear about this. And I'm not here to teach uh, a, you know, a prosperity doctrine that God wants us all to be rich because that's not necessarily the truth. But the, fa- the facts are the facts is Abraham was, was fruitful materially. We, re- we read that his flocks and his herds increased. We read specifically that he had an accumulation of possessions. And I, that's verbatim from the Bible. And we also find out that he was given quite a chunk of land, the land of Canaan. <laughs> so he was fruitful from a materiality uh, uh, standpoint. Um, So the question is, in view of those three things, can we be as blessed and as fruitful as Abraham was? And so I'd like to try to answer that question today. Remembering this, Genesis 12, 2 through 3, that God promised Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Can that blessing apply to you? Can that blessing apply to me? Does the Holy Spirit lead you to blessing and fruitfulness in your life? Because we're talking about a Spirit-led life. Does the Holy Spirit lead you to blessing and fruitfulness? Does God want you to thrive and have a fruitful life? I'd like to find out if that's the case. And it's a question, as I've mentioned, I've asked myself many times over the past several years. But So here's the question then. How does fruitfulness start? Where does fruitfulness come from? If, If Abram was fruitful... Where did it start with him? Where did it come from? Well, I'm here to tell you that many times fruitfulness comes when you're having a crisis in your faith. The process of fruitfulness starts when you have a crisis in your faith. A crisis in your faith will lead you to a breakthrough, to productivity and fruitfulness that you could have never achieved otherwise. What is a crisis of faith? Well, the crisis of faith is is when you experience deep despair, discouragement, hopelessness. When you're convinced that you can't do it on your own, that you can't make it. Maybe maybe you 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 have a job and you you begin to think to yourself, I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not healthy enough, maybe even. Things start looking to you as if they're lifeless and dead and there's no hope. This is a crisis of faith. And this is, this is the ground in w- from which fruitfulness can spring. 
Or worse still, you might have no health. You might have little or no faith. You might have no money to invest or no resources. Or you might be in a place where nobody believes in you. Let me tell you what, that's a bad place to be when you think nobody believes in me. You have no ideas, no plans, or your plan has fallen apart. And you have no connections with anybody important who can help you. Well, I got, I got good news for you. If you feel that way right now, you are primed and ready for fruitfulness because a crisis in faith is the ground from which fruitfulness can spring. Look at this scripture, Psalms 126.6. It says, Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Now, sheaves are like you know wheat. You're carrying back something that you've, the ground has produced for you. It's fruitful. So you go out weeping. That's a crisis in faith when you have nothing left in you. And, and you go out maybe with a little or maybe nothing to sow, and you come back fruitful. Psalms 126.6, unbelievable. But I love Romans 4.17 of what God does. You might be one that says, I don't even have seed to sow. I have absolutely nothing. Well, if that's you, listen to Psalm, to Romans 4.17. It says, God is the one who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that are not. You can go out with nothing, crying, despairing, discouraged, and, and God's going to give you a seed to plant at least, and then you're going to find fruitfulness. So a crisis in faith, man, that's where, that's where God can really produce something. Well, I have found personally that there's a consistent pattern in my life when I have crises of faith. All right, a consistent pattern, and I want to give you a, a couple a couple of examples. I remember back when I was 19, 18 and nineteen years old, came back from the United States, major came back to the United States from Spain, really dealing with culture shock. I don't think I knew it at the time. I couldn't make friends to save my life. I, it was the the strangest thing in the world. Uh, I was incredibly insecure. I had no direction. I had all kinds of doubt about my Christian faith. I remember that distinctly. And you know what? I remember saying to myself, you know what? I was having a crisis of faith. There you have it. No friends, insecure. Your your faith's on the on the ropes. And I sought the Lord. What I mean by I sought the Lord, I remember one Christmas, um, I was off from school. So it was a Christmas break. And I told myself, you know what? I'm going to read my Bible for 30 minutes a day, and I'm going to pray for 30 minutes a day for two weeks, and I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to see what happens because, God, I'm not even sure you exist. (laughs) I remember thinking that. And throughout those two weeks, I felt dry as anything, but I'd made a commitment to do it. And by the end of the two weeks, my life turned around, did a 180 degree turn, God put a, I don't know what to call it, so I'm going to try to call it this, a spirit of leadership in me that I'd never experienced. I'd always been a follower up until that time and followed bad friends, bad examples, just just on the wrong path. God put a spirit of leadership in me 
And that fruitfulness sprang up, if I'm saying that wrong, sprung up, yeah, sprung up from a crisis of faith. Let me give you another example. I remember being extremely resentful and obsessively angry. And I mean, for about two or three years, just struggling with resentment, with anger. And God poured out, so that was my crisis of faith, God poured out his loving forgiveness into me, and I was able to forgive. And I'll tell you, above being filled with the Holy Spirit, above the experience of being saved by God, the time when I forgave, this time that I'm referring to here, that fruitful time of forgiveness, my life changed more than any other time ever before or ever after. That was the most powerful, fruitful time, and it came through a crisis of faith. Um, I remember another time when I was bored out of my mind. Now, my biggest fear in life is being bored. I was bored out of my mind in a dead-end job for three years, no hope for change, and it was through that crisis of faith that I created a corporate training that changed the direction of my life. Not just my my working career, but it changed my life. And to this day, I'm still, uh, it's still enjoying the benefits of that crisis of faith. Um, I I got a couple of others. I'll just tell you. I remember having an impending loss of employment. I knew it was coming. It was looming over me, and it was in that time, that crisis of faith, that I wrote a book. A little short book, an ebook. In fact, you can get it off of my our, our website, lifeworthlivingchurch.org. Go to ebook, and you'll find there uh, a little book that I wrote. I wrote about the thirteen benefits of frustration. Bless me from Joseph Joseph's life it has blessed me abundantly. It came from a crisis of faith. Um, it, there's there's other things that that I could mention, but. A crisis of faith brings fruitfulness, and you can see that in Abraham's life as well. When Lot uh, chose the better land, as we studied a week or two ago, uh, Abraham was fruitful and was given the entire land. So whatever crisis of faith you're in, I'm telling you, look for fruitfulness because it's right there. When the pressures of life mercilessly squeeze you, God is always prepared to produce something good out of you, okay? The life squeezes you, goodness comes out of you, fruitfulness comes out of you. If you'll turn your attention, turn your desperation, turn your aggravation, turn your confusion, turn your frustration to God, fruitfulness will come out of you in the midst of crisis. So, when you're in a crisis of faith, concentrate all your efforts on being uniquely fruitful. And I I want to emphasize the uniqueness of our fruitfulness. Uh, Each of you has incredible, unique uh, giftings and fruitfulness that God wants to produce in and out of you in amazing ways. It could be in the uh, autistic a subculture of our society that God wants you to be incredibly fruitful. It could be in the medical field where you're incredible, incredibly fruitful. It could be in any field of work or practice that you're in. God wants you to be fruitful, and it's in that crisis of faith where it can, can really happen. 
Well, here's what I've found in myself and in most other human beings. I won't say it's 100%, but in most people I encounter, most people are desperate to be fruitful. Absolutely desperate. If you have a knack for songwriting, you're desperate to write a song that's recognized by other people. If, if, you're, uh, if you're artistic and you, you like to paint, you, you're desperate to create paintings that can be appreciated by those around you. And so th- th- why is that? Well, the reason why you're desperate to be fruitful is because God created you that way. He made you that way. He made you to break your constraints, to to go past your limits, to go farther, to achieve more, to reach God-given dreams and goals. By the way, let me just mention this. You need to stop dreaming your own dreams and setting your own goals and start having God give you dreams and God give you God-sized goals to achieve. That's just a side note because this is not about Oh, go out and pursue your dream. Oh, go set your goals. Shoot higher and, and you can go farther. No, no, no. That's human. That's humanistic. That's secularism. That's not what I'm speaking of today. I'm talking about God putting a dream, a hope in your heart, a desire in your heart to do something for him, something monumental. That's what I'm referring to. He created you that way. You have a good idea that he's put in your head. You want to see it become a reality. Do you have a solution to a problem that everybody seems to have? You want to see it implemented. You know how to help someone. You want to take action and see them helped and see their lives improved. You have the answer to people's empty, dark lives. You want to share the love of Jesus and see their lives turned around. So where does this insatiable desire to be fruitful come from? Well, as I've mentioned, God put it in you, and it's seen in Genesis 1, 27, chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. I'll read it to you. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Notice there's only two genders, not three, not 17, and not one. There's two genders, male and female. That's how God created us. In verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful. (laughs) Increase in number. Fill the earth. You see, when you were born, you were created to be fruitful. God made you that way, and that desire is not going to go away until you are fruitful. And even then, you'll probably even want to be more fruitful. So, we all want to be somebody. We all want to accomplish something lasting. We all want to leave a lasting legacy, something to be remembered. Is that so wrong? Well... It depends. (laughs) Do you want to be fruitful for yourself or do you want to be fruitful for your Lord and for your King? That's the defining question of whether that's wrong or right to want that so badly. I have a consistent request of the Lord in the last year or two, and it's this. God, you've invested so much in me. You've poured into me for 50 years now. You've been unbelievably patient and you've stuck with me through thick and thin. Now, God, please don't lose all that you've invested in me. Let me be incredibly fruitful for you and for you alone. Isn't that awesome? God 
invests in us. He pours into us. He plants us. He gets us rooted. He deserves the fruit from our lives. And we get to enjoy producing the fruit in the process. Enjoy the process of being blessed and being fruitful. That's why in Matthew 3.8, John the Baptist said, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Produce that kind of fruit. Produce fruit that comes from the righteousness of God as a result of our repentant hearts. Don't produce selfish fruit, fruit that makes you shine and look good. No, produce fruit that makes God shine and makes Him look good, giving Him all the credit. That's why in Matthew 15, 13, Jesus said, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by its roots. And so what we want to make sure of is that what's planted in our life, what's fruitful in our life, is from God and for God. Praise God. So here's a few pictures that I'd like to give you of what fruitfulness looks like. We need it practical. It can't be some vague, ambiguous thought that's out there, fruitfulness. No, it's tangible. That means you can see it, you can feel it, you can know it, you can, you can describe it. So here's a couple of pictures that I'd like to give you. One is serve and succeed. Now, serving is the planting part. You plant a seed, you serve, but then you bear the fruit of being successful in life. God never, ever, 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 ever wanted you to be a failure. God wants you to be a success, a success for him, not a success just for yourself, a success for God, because that proves the wonderful God that he is. So here's a statement that I I haven't taught my children so much the statement itself, but tried to live out the example for them because it is the secret to success, and it's this. Listen to it. Do what no one else is willing or able to do. If you do that, that's serving, and if you serve that way, you do what no one else is willing to do, you will be successful. You will create an, a niche for yourself, a a, a, a you know, an expertise that no one else can do. Why? Because no one else is willing to do that. That's the secret to success. And so fruitfulness, by the way, when I talk about fruitfulness, that is success. Success is fruitfulness. Fruitfulness is success. And God wants you to be fruitful at work. He wants you to pray for people who other who others won't pray for. He wants you to help people who other people overlook. So do what no one else is willing to do. So that's one picture of fruitfulness, but let me give you another picture. Invest and get results. Now the investing is the planning. Getting the results is the fruitfulness. All right. Now as soon as I speak of investing, most people think of money. And, and money does apply, certainly. But I'm talking mostly about investing your time, investing your emotion, investing your efforts and your energy, all right? Whatever you pour your time, your efforts, your energy in, you are going to get results from, all right? I heard a pastor say, this was really interesting, by the way, if the earth as we know it today is still around a thousand years from now, Every company we know of today is going to be gone, and there will be new companies that we'll see popped up, brand new companies. The Walmarts will be gone. 
the uh, you know the airlines will be gone. All of these companies will be gone. And there'll be new companies. But the one thing that will be here a thousand years from now, a thousand years from now, will be the church. The body of Jesus will be here a thousand years from now. And uh, if that's the case, why shouldn't I invest into the body of Christ? Why shouldn't I pour my time, my energy, yes, my money, into the kingdom of heaven because that's going to be around a thousand years from now and better still, it'll be here for all eternity. Praise God. That same pastor uh, happens to do something very interesting. He's, he's a little bit older now, but he and his wife decided several years ago that instead of just tithing 10% of their income, they were going to add 1% every year to that, to their tithe. Now, after many years, they're tithing 90% of their income and living off of 10%. Let me tell you what, that guy has put his mouth where his, his money where his mouth is, right? He's speaking of investing into the kingdom of heaven. So invest and get results. Invest and get results. All right, the third picture that I'd like to give you is to mentor and observe growth. Mentoring is the part where you plant the seed. Uh, observing growth, that's where you, uh, you, get for, you get your fruitfulness from. So it, what is mentoring? Well, the, the greatest example is what a parent can and should do is pour themselves into their children. If there's any opportunity for mentoring, a father, a mother, by the way, happy Father's Day. <laughs> I don't think I even mentioned that at the beginning of our sermon here, but or service here. Happy Father's Day. Well, let me tell you, fathers, it's time to mentor your sons and your daughters. It's time to not just plop yourself on the couch or the easy chair when you come home from work, but to spend time with your sons and your daughter, daughters. As soon as you see them going in the wrong direction, lovingly correct them. Pour all your experience into them, being unbelievably patient with them. You know, most kids nowadays are really not ready to leave home at 18. And so certainly don't get into your mind that, you know, there's some, something magical that happens to kids when they turn 18 and they all of a sudden become mature adults. Many of them don't. They continue through their life to need your mentoring. So parents, certainly managers and supervisors, what a key opportunity, spiritual leaders, to pour yourself into those who are listening to you. I want to give you a quick example of this. Um, and I've mentioned this, I think I mentioned it several years ago, so it's a maybe it won't be a stale story that I pass on to you, but I remember taking this guy to lunch. Um, this was several years ago. The, the individual that I took to lunch was the president of a local insurance company. And the Lord had impressed on me before I took him to lunch to talk to him and tell him that God had more for his life than simply leading his company. God wanted him to reach his employees for the kingdom of heaven. As I talked to him and told him this, I got only a blank stare from him, and it was just he and I you know, over lunch. Can you imagine how awkward I felt when I told him this, and he seemed to not understand a word that I was telling him? He was nice, but he wasn't terribly receptive. Um, anyways, a few months later, 
I ran into this guy again, and he was so excited. He had taken a couple of his key people in his company, and he was pouring himself into them, both professionally and spiritually. At night, he would walk through his office where all his staff members, they they either worked in cubicles or offices, and he would pray over each and every one of his people by name, each and every one of his employees by name, praying for their families, praying for their lives. Can you imagine? He mentored, he poured into them, and he was able to see growth. Let me tell you what, that's a beautiful picture of fruitfulness. There's a couple of other things I could mention, but we're we're probably taking a little bit of time here. Um, but I, let, let, let me mention one more. Learn and implement. Learning is sowing the seed. Implementing is the fruitfulness. All right? How can we be a growing, fruitful Christian if we aren't constantly learning something from God, constantly learning something about God, about the law of the Spirit that we talked about a few weeks ago, about the Word of God, about God's higher ways, the spiritual ways of God. Since God is always teaching, we need to always be learning and then implementing what we learn. That's why James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. In other words, implement what you learn. That's why in Colossians 1.10, it talks about growing in the knowledge of God. Never stop learning about God. Never ever get to the place where you think you know it all because we don't. We'll never know it all. God is an endless fountain of knowledge and understanding that we will always be satiated by. As soon as you learn something, implement it for yourself. Test it. Experiment with what you've learned. Practice it. Get better. We should become experts with the things of the Spirit. So here's the deal. God always intended you to be extremely fruitful. We see that in John 15, and I'll just read some various verses here. We always seem to refer back to John 15. It's so rich. But in verse 1, Jesus says, I'm the vine and the, the true vine. My, my father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch that uh, in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may uh, be even more fruitful. You see, Jesus wants you to be fruitful in this life. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. God wants you to be fruitful. He goes on in verse 7, says, Ask whatever you wish and it will be done. That's the sign of fruitfulness. In verse 8, It is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. In verse 16, of of John 15 it says he's appointed us to bear fruit fruit that will last it is undeniable that God wants you to thrive in your life and be fruitful so we need to learn the secret to explosive fruitfulness God shows us mysteries in the Bible that if we'll learn those mysteries we can be incredibly fruitful all our lives And it's this in Genesis. Here's the mystery. Here's the secret to explosive fruitfulness. In Genesis 1, 27 and 28, I've already read these. I'm going to read them again. So God created mankind in his own image. In his own image, God created them, male and female. He created them. 
Verse 28, God blessed them and said, be fruitful. So the number one thing, there's there's three aspects to being fruitful. Number one is we need to be conformed into Jesus' image. When you're in, in God's image, you will be fruitful. But with a marred image, a broken image caused by sin, we can't be fruitful. So God has to... He has to conform us into his image. And that's where in John 15 it says he prunes us. He's conforming us into his shape. Whenever you prune a bush, you're, you're making it into a shape. You're, you're, you're pruning it so it'll grow higher, taller, stronger, healthier. And that's what, uh, that, that's what being conformed into Jesus' image is means now when he cuts a little clips a little branch off of you or cuts a a a crazy branch off you it hurts and so when we're talking about being conformed into the image of god such as is referenced in romans 8 29 where it talks about being conformed into the image of his son that involves maybe a little bit of pain, a little bit of suffering, a little bit of suffering that might take a long time to get us to the place where God wants us to be. But we have to be in the image of God to be fruitful. The second thing that we see in Genesis 127 and 28 is that God blessed them. You cannot be fruitful without the blessing of God. It's impossible. It is absolutely impossible. We need the blessing of God. It feels good to have the blessing of God. We crave the blessing of God. And with the blessing of God, we can begin to be fruitful. That's why in John 15, it talks about remaining in Christ. If we remain in him, we'll conform to his image and we will consistently receive the nourishing blessings, daily blessings that God gives us. If we're disconnected from God, we've lost our faith, we've broken our faith with God, as would a branch from a tree, you can no longer receive the blessings from God. That's why we need to remain in Him. So when we remain in Him, we can pray in the Spirit. In other words, we can pray with the Spirit because we're connected with Jesus and His conforming efforts take or are made evident in our life. But here's here's the third thing. Uh, here's the third thing that's required in order for us to uh, to to receive um, to to receive this fruitfulness is we have to ask God. You read Romans, excuse me, you read uh, John 15, you're going to see it over and over again. Ask and you'll receive. Ask and you'll receive. So here's the three things for fruitfulness. Being conformed to the image of Jesus, being blessed, and asking, 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 asking. God wants you to ask and keep on asking. All right, so we'd started off with this question, and don't fear, we're getting close to the end here. Um, Can I be as blessed and as fruitful as Abraham was? And I want you to hang with me and and follow the logic that the Bible offers us as to why we can be just as blessed and just as fruitful as Abraham was. In Romans 4.11, and I'm going to just cherry pick a couple of uh, verses out of Romans 4, the first one being uh, verse 11. So then Abraham was the father of all who believe. And there, the connotation is, 
if he's our father, we have access to the same things as he did because we're sons and daughters through faith, through the faith of Abraham, we're his sons and daughters. So he's the father who also follows, um, we who also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had. So if we're following in the same footsteps of faith, we're going to have access to the same blessings and fruitfulness that he had. But if that's not enough for you, let's look at verse 13 of Romans 4. He received the promise that he would be heir of the world. Okay, now just just remember this promise. This is the promise. He would be heir of the world. Don't forget that because when we come down to verse 16 of Romans 4, it says, therefore, the promise comes by faith. What promise? The promise that he would be heir of the world, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring, that's you and me, if we have faith in Jesus. The promise of being heir of the world is avail- is not available. It's guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring, those being who have the same faith that Abraham had. So what is this promise? Please stick with me. This logic flows all the way through and gets us to the understanding that we can be as blessed and fruitful as Abraham was. So what is this promise of being heir of the world? What does this mean? What does this entail? Well, it's mentioned in other parts of the New Testament. In Matthew 5, 5, for instance, in the Beatitude, it says, Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. There it is, heir of the world or inheritor of the earth. So what exactly is this promise? What does it mean? How does it help you and me? Well, I went back to Genesis 15, 15, well, just chapter 15, Genesis 15, and there's no mention of a promise of being heir of the world. Instead, there's a specific promise that I want to read to you in verse 5, Genesis 15, 5. God took Abraham outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. What does it mean to be, uh, what is the promise of being an heir of the world? It's a promise of explosive fruitfulness, of explosive fruitfulness, and it's guaranteed to you. Put your name in there. You are guaranteed fruit explosive fruitfulness in your life as long as you're conformed to the image of God you're blessed by God and you ask God (laughs) the guarantee is there this was the basic covenant promise God made to Abraham it was a promise of continuing fruitfulness so uh, from John 15 It's very evident that God wants, expects, and predestines us for fruitfulness. Romans 4, it's abundantly clear that Abraham's promise is guaranteed to us. And usually we think of an heir and an inheritance having to do with something with death. And so we question ourselves and scratch our head. Well, who died and who gave us the inheritance? Let me tell you what, Jesus died. And the inheritance is for you right here, right now. You don't have to wait any longer. What I'd like to do is just quickly end. I've read the Beatitudes, and my dad has preached on the Beatitudes, so we're getting a full dosage of them. I can't help but continue to come back to them because they tell me something different, every not not different, but additional every time I read them. So, so 
read this with the angle that I'm coming at you with, okay? I'm reading in Matthew 5, verse 3. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let me ask you this question. This is where I want to get at. Is the kingdom of heaven only for eternity, or is that blessing for you right now? Jesus came preaching, the kingdom of heaven is near. And when he preached that, people got healed, people got saved, people got fed, people walked on water, people paid their taxes after pulling a fish out of the water. That is the kingdom of heaven, and it's near. So when we talk about the Beatitudes, they're not only for eternity, they're for you right now. They're for you right now. Verse 4 of Matthew 5, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Do you think God only wants to comfort you when you go to heaven? Or is he wanting to comfort you right now? The blessing is for you right now and for later. Verse 6, no, verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Is inheriting the earth only for the future? No, as we've learned, inheriting the earth is about fruitfulness. It's for right now. God wants you to be incredibly fruitful right now. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Does God only want to fill you in heaven or does he want to fill you right now? He wants to fill you right now and in heaven. Blessed are those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. Is mercy only for the future? No, mercy is for right now. He wants you to experience mercy. Blessed are those who are pure in heart for they will see God. Does God only want you to see him in heaven or does he want you to experience and see him right now with the eyes of your heart? He wants you to have an encounter with him right now. Praise God, each of these. Verse 9, to be called the children of God. Does God call you a child only later, or does he call you a child right now? All of these are not only for eternity, they're for right now. So that fruitfulness that God promises you, being an heir of the world, is for right, right now. And I'll end with this scripture, and I promise this is the last one. 1 Timothy 4, 9. It says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness is of value for all things, holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. Fruitfulness is for you right now. Allow yourself to be conformed to the image of Christ. If you are suffering right now, learn what God is wanting you to learn. And receive God's blessing every day. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. All the days of my life. God wants to bless you every day, every hour of your life. Receive it. Receive it. And then don't ever stop asking God. Ask God for healing. Ask God for provision. Ask God for success. Ask God, ask God. Don't stop asking God because that's what he wants you to do. It shows your dependence and your awe of God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for your word. Lord, Abraham was a spirit-led man. We know that for sure now. And as a result, he was a fruitful man. And we realize from this message, Lord Jesus, from the word of God, Lord, the inspired word of God, that you want us to be explosively fruitful, explosively. You, you want us, it, it brings you glory for us to be fruitful. But Lord, we don't want to be fruitful for our own selfish outcomes, Lord. We want to be fruitful for the glory of God. 
Lord, for the furtherance of the kingdom of heaven, for the furtherance of the gospel. Lord Jesus, help us not to be so narrow-minded to think that fruitfulness is just something that happens in the church. No, fruitfulness exhibits itself in a unique way at work. Lord Jesus, in, Lord, in, in relationships, Lord, in our neighborhood, Lord, unique ideas, unique solutions to world problems, Heavenly Father, certainly to forwarding and advancing, Lord Jesus, uh, the, the knowledge of who you are to everyone around us. Lord, our lives need to shine. Our lives need to be that salt that gives flavor to life, Lord Jesus, meaning purpose to life, O oh God. So we praise you and we worship you today, O oh God. Lord, we pray that we would begin to have our minds opened up to the wonderful opportunity of a thriving life, a thriving life, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for it. In your name I pray, amen.